you're listening to the Southern U Podcast, brought to you by Darton Archery on the OKS Podcast Network, with your host Taylor McMurtry, Jeremy Ferguson, and Matt Brock. All right, everybody, welcome back. Episode 007, just like James Bond here of the uh, Southern U Podcast, joined with, uh, as always, with Mr. Jeremy Ferguson of uh, Tutland slash Wildlife Consulting slash Outfitter as slash whatever. cattle farm cattle slash farmer slash whatever anything else that you can lose money at <laughs> anything mm. you can lose money at yeah that's true <laughs> of course we got Matt Brock here the uh, actually the AL deer legend legend Matt Brock that's right we gotta keep that going you no know, y'all gonna have to quit that <laughs> I mean it look some people are afraid of the truth you know that's the truth it that's is it's a, it, Look, I knew Just, I knew who he was long before I'd ever met him, all because of AL Deer. There you go. And he didn't even live in the state of Alabama. God, he, see. he was a Mississippi man at that point. That's mm-hmm. how you know. That's it. That's how you know. I know I want to move on. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, me. Uh, uh, my name is Taylor <laughs> McMurtry, and – I hang out with these knuckleheads because I am a glutton for punishment, I guess. I don't know. Got to be. Yep. Um, so, uh, before we get into the uh, topic of discussion, I wanted to take just a second and um, kind of talk about a couple things. Uh, number one, thank you guys for listening and sharing and um, telling your friends about the podcast. Uh, it's been overwhelmingly uh, positive here uh, lately. Of course, there's a few negative comments here and there, but that which doesn't... we love. Which we love. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You're not hurting anybody. I phones. want to address some of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the more negative y'all can bring, the more fun we're going to have with you. Yeah, yeah. It's not a. You're not hurting anybody's feelings here. We're we're having a good time either way. But uh, um, a couple things um, in particular that have have come up more than once. Uh, one, I believe, started on YouTube and maybe a couple times on Instagram. But um, you guys have asked, hey, look, you call yourself you know, Southern U. We haven't heard anything about Texas. You don't talk about Texas enough. So yeah. I want to take just a second and maybe address that for a minute. Um, the reason you don't hear us reference Texas a lot, or you know, even though Jeremy and Matt both have experience there, mm-hmm. um, the reason you don't hear us talk about it much is it really kind of is its own planet. Yes, it's in the South. Yes, it's you know considered Southern deer and you know Southern habitat, all that kind of stuff. Um, number one, Texas is huge. That's a humongous state mm-hmm. and various terrain types and soil types and all kind of stuff. So. Uh, what is true of one part of Texas is not necessarily true of another part of Texas. So it's hard to, to give generalized statements on that state because of that. Um, and then also, you know, I mean, different subspecies of animals there too. You've got, I mean, deer and turkey. <laughs> You've got mm-hmm. a lot of different stuff there. So if you, you may hear us reference something about Texas, but it's we've kind of intentionally not um, – gone that route just because um it kind of is its own world it, I mean, it's completely different yeah i mean it, it you is. know and when everybody talks about texas really most of the time they're carving out that southern texas area and, and, mm-hmm. and calling that texas well texas like you said is huge mm-hmm. um the eastern portion of texas is very similar to us it's piney woods country so the, the same principles apply um so you know it's not and it's not that they don't have some similarities to us. Just by and large, the state uh, as a whole is, is managed much differently. Even East Texas, their management is so far past what a lot of folks are doing because it, it, it is still big landowners, and you have a high number of high fences there mm-hmm. that, that that's catching on uh, you know, everywhere now. Sure. But uh, – and just because we don't specifically state Texas, uh-uh. that doesn't mean that some of the things that we talk about are not applicable there. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. And and look, a lot of the principles that we're talking about here, not necessarily they weren't necessarily pioneered, but they were quote unquote perfected in Texas. I mean, mm-hmm. they are able to manage at a such higher degree because of the land holding size and uh, another big reasons because the money that's behind it yeah land ownership and money 
if you want to know a lot about deer, you got to have land and you got to have money. No. That's right. Yep. So it's it, it it's just it's different for sure. Even though it's the same, <laughs> it's different. Which sounds way. yeah, it, it's exactly the same but completely different. What if is that makes that? Sense. I don't know. I got some feedback yeah. crazy going on. Is that that phone sitting up here or something? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Did that help? It seems like it did. Okay. I don't know. Hmm. Sorry, guys. Uh, anyways, uh, but yeah, that, so that's that for Texas. And the other thing was uh, I've had a couple people <laughs> um, go, you know, so you guys must only hunt private land or you guys must only care about private land. And it's like, well, the podcast is about land management mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. being able to do that. And it's hard to manage property that you don't own or lease, you know? Yeah. So, and, uh, and you know, not that what we're saying from a, uh, from harvest, uh, perspectives or something like that can't be applied to some elements, I guess, on, in the public, uh, land game. But for the most part, it's, you, you've got to own the land to be able to do yeah. the things well, you need look, to do to make it. There's yeah. other podcasts out there with public land. At the forefront. Hunters. That's, it, that's what they focus on. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we want to focus on. No. And and public land is vastly different here in the southeast anyway mm-hmm. than it is in a lot of other parts of the country. Uh, still got the feedback. I don't know what, don't know what is. it is. I wonder if it's I wonder if it's my computer or something. Surely not. But is it in a connection somewhere? Shouldn't be. Troubleshooting in the so, middle. Yeah, in the middle. We're we're good. That's all right. Yeah. But um, we can keep going. Yeah the the land ownership even in the public hunting properties is generally private and it's leased to the public Mm -hmm. entities and those public entities don't have the ability to manage it Mm -hmm. the the owner still calls the shots they just get to provide public hunting Mm -hmm. Uh, so you know even though there's a lot of management on public ground you know in the southeast there's a lot of ground that it, it the state agencies or the public agencies aren't the ones calling those shots. Mm -hmm. So it's very difficult for them too. Well, and I want to also point out that I don't want people to mistake what we're doing with being a hunting podcast or hunting show. That's not what we're doing. It is a big part of what we're doing Mm -hmm. currently because that's just happens to be the season that we came in. Um, But, you know, we're, we're not just a, a hunting podcast. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I've tried to say that, and I think the last couple of episodes I've I've left it out. But, but yeah, I mean that needs to be said. We are in the middle of hunting season here in the South, and kind of getting into the, the rut and all those mm-hmm. sort of things. So I mean, it's just the season we're in. But if you'll stick with us long enough, you're going to see that at the end of hunting season, we're going to sort of switch gears a little bit and start talking about more habitat improvement for a lot of different things. You know, oh, yeah. if that's uh, whether that's for timber or that's for ag or you know if you're trying to um, maximize kind of the dollar amount or value amount of a piece of property um, even how to buy land you know everybody's going to kind of provide some stuff on that so um, yeah number one it's not it's not quote unquote just a hunting podcast I mean that was all three of us kind of had that same thought when we started so um, anyway so with that being said I just wanted to kind of tackle a few of those things before we jumped in um, to the topic of discussion because uh, <laughs> I think we woke up today and, and just chose violence because we uh, are going to jump into towards ourselves. Uh, yeah, towards mm-hmm. ourselves. Yeah, um, go ahead and stir up the hornet's nest real good um, to start the new year. <laughs> so um, today's topic, we'll be discussing uh, some disease uh, that has been at the forefront of a lot of conversations and a lot of debates, um, and that's CWD and EHD. So we'll be talking about that, and um, <laughs> I don't even want to say this, but I feel like I probably need to. Uh, Matt has uh, brought something out to celebrate this special occasion, yeah. <laughs> which I'm not yeah. very excited about at all. <laughs> well, I just thought that, um, you know, since we're touching on a hot topic, <laughs> um, let's just have a little fun, and, you know, we'll start eating these Texas cheddar habanero <laughs> popcorn bites, and they're they're honestly they're pretty dead good. And I mean, people thought we didn't talk about Texas. Here we go. Right. Here we go. These are from Texas. There you go. Um, Thanks, Texas. They're they're really good. They have a wonderful flavor. But if you don't have something to wash down the Scoville units um, in your esophagus, then they can they can grow on you and it builds up pretty quick. So I'll be honest with you, I'm not real worried about the Scoville units on the esophagus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
later well, on down the track that I'm worried about. Um, I just thought that we could start popping these jokers and like see who can last longest without taking <laughs> no. a swallow of water. Yeah. So so let's just get this in perspective here. We're gonna kill ourselves eating habanero infused popcorn bites while also trying to talk about EHD and yeah. CWT. What could go wrong, guys? It'll be, yeah. it'll be a lot of fun. Um, but uh, yeah, anyways, we're gonna. I guess if you guys are ready, um, we can we can jump right in. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Hide those things. No. I'm not hiding oh, them. I'm, he's, getting, he's I'm opening them. Oh gosh, here yep. we go. I, I can hear the bag crinkle. Yeah, it's like trying to open a little Debbie in the woods. You can't hide it. Look at that. All right, guys. Uh, Matt's, Matt's going in. You need me to start it off? Well, well man, you're, you're used oh to gosh, it. Let's look, he's just, going for it. Hey, I'm, I'm going. I ain't, I ain't worried about it. We do have uh, indoor plumbing here, so you yep. have to be in yeah. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> gosh. That's not bad. This is. Give it. Just give it a minute. <laughs> it's more tingly than hot. <laughs> it better grow in a hurry. Get more. I will. Man, that fake. That Wait a minute. What are you doing already? What do you mean? Water. What? Okay. You, I'm going to die on air, guys. Yep. Uh, well, what you're going to die of is that fake powdery cheese. Yep. Powder cheddar. I, I thought it was good. Man, I, I remember eating the powdered cheese popcorn when I was a kid. That's why we all have ridiculous insides now, I'm sure. <laughs> eating that funyuns and stuff like that. Eat. One thing I didn't think about is having tissue because it's going to open my sinuses up. Uh, I got a roll of toilet, not toilet paper, but paper towels here somewhere in the there shop. If you can find it, which everybody can see, it's a mess. Uh, what do you think, Taylor? Not bad. It's not as bad as I thought they were going to be. No. They're really I, not. I, I, thought they're I, not. I, I thought I was going to be in some trouble because no, I don't mind spice, but like, like I said, I, uh -oh. I gravitate towards Cajun. But, but, but look at this. At least we're sticking with the – Non-GMO right. oh, or yeah. gluten-free non-GMO. Oh yeah, we, we can promote that. And right. it's made in the USA. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, get another handful. All right. All right. So CWD, CWD right. slash EHD, correct. So what do you want to roll with first? First question here that I've got, and I think this is just kind of we need to sort of lay the foundation <clears throat> of this thing first. Um, and I, I should have said this before. Um, I know that if you guys have been following us from the beginning. You know, kind of the, the academic background that Jeremy and Matt both have and their experience in wildlife and those sort of things. So um, these this isn't just, you know, a few guys g giving some random opinion of a topic that, it, you know. It's, uh, it's not, but I do want to preface that we are not disease biologists. Mm -mm. We are not virologists or pathologists <laughs> or anything else. Um, kind of addictive. <laughs> Matt's they got, really are. Matt's got a problem. Um, One of many. We, you know, while working for the state, obviously we were heavily involved in, in our CWD response plan and having to immerse ourselves in learning about CWD. Mm. Um, but I'm still one of those that that's pretty skeptical about what we really know. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's probably as much that we don't know still as that we do, if not way more. Sure. Um, and, and look, there's some really smart people in the Southeast uh, that have devoted their lives and careers to studying diseases. And, you know, they're the people to go to to get definitive answers. I mean, they are. Mm -hmm. um, but. I mean, we can just tell you what we know yep. and what we think. Yeah, that, that's it. And, and that that's where we are. And it's. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick more toward Alabama, uh, the way I think about it here from, uh, you know how we're responding to it as a hunting population mm -hmm. in Alabama, and how we uh, <laughs> call me in for another one. How here. we, uh, how we are responding as a state, um, but so far I don't, I don't think we've done a bad job. Um, at the state level with what the response mm -hmm. plan was. I mean, a lot of the guys there, uh, you know, our deer project leader and some of the other higher ups went to several different states and said, you know, Hey, what, what worked? Uh, 
Loser number one. Yeah. What worked? What didn't work? Um, He's got sweat beads on his nose. Already. I told (laughs) y'all. It's not my thing. (laughs) He's got sweat on his nose. By the way, and it's also about. Do you need a glass of milk? It's also about uh, what? 50 degrees in here. Is it 50? I figured. It's probably about 50. Yeah, about 50 degrees in this shop. So there's no reason for me to be sweating other than this Texas cheddar habanero We can't turn on the giant. Your nose is glistening. Yes. That's awesome. For the camera. Um. I don't know where we were. Well, I mean, uh, that, that, state uh, response. Yes, but yeah, that's what. The Southern U Podcast is brought to you by Darton Archery. For over 70 years, Darton Archery has been leading the way in archery innovation. With over 30 patents spanning over 60 years, it's easy to see why many archers and bow hunters have chosen to shoot a dart. Darton's patented dual sync cam system gives the archer one quarter inch draw length adjustments adjustable holding weight options ranging from 85% to 65%, and the super easy-to-tune E-system for quick adjustments and perfect arrow flying. For more information or to find an authorized Darton dealer, visit dartonarchery.com. That's D-A-R-T-O-N-A-R-C-H-E-R-Y.com. What we're getting at is that, you know, by no means... Is this the end all be all? We're just kind of having a discussion. And, and, that's it. You know, and figuring because out because we we are not, you know, disease professionals. No. Um, we 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 self educated probably more than we did anything else on mm-hmm. it. Just to mm-hmm. you know to be up on what's going on, um, and and honestly, my opinion of the folks that's probably going to know the most about it as years go. Uh, because there's money involved mm-hmm. is going to be the deer breeders yeah. because they have a vested interest in trying to figure this thing out sure. and not losing a bunch of deer, you know, when CWD is found in their area uh, or, you know, heaven forbid in one of their pens and it have to be depopped. Yep. Um, I need tissue. <laughs> My nose might be glistening, but his is dripping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll get you some. In a I'll minute. be good. Um, you know, there's a there's a big vested interest in trying to figure out how to test these deer prior to mortality. Right. Sure. Um, that's coming along. It's not there yet. Gotcha. So, I guess let's start foundationally because I, I said CWD slash EHD because yeah. totally you, two totally different. Things. Yes, and so I would say if you can, and again, like this is just. We're gonna tell you like, hey, this is what we know, and yep. there's a whole lot there may a whole lot that we may not know. But as far as foundationally, what's the difference between the two, or how how does you know what's C- the main difference between you know two CWD diseases? is chronic wasting disease. It's a it's a TSE, and I I struggle to say it's transmissible spongiform encephalopathy. Mm-hmm. I, I struggle with that last one, <laughs> um, but you know it, it's a chronic disease that takes quite a bit of time for the animal to succumb to and in general they succumb to something else other than cwd okay um you know whether it be hit by a car hunter harvest um some other illness because their their body condition has gone down because they're not acting right Mm -hmm. they're not functioning properly eating properly drinking properly things like that Mm. You do have a chronic form of EHD as well. Um, we see it more here in mm-hmm. the south mm-hmm. than you do in the north. Um, but then there's a, also an acute form of, of EHD, which is, it kills a lot of deer. Um, even in places in the south, depending on which version, I, I don't, I, what is it? We got version six here, don't we? primarily well, there's like there's several 16 but to our, 18 different strains that right but we, we can come through and yeah. i mean just don't really know you don't it can vary from year to year it's kind of like the flu mm-hmm. you know there's different strains of the flu and there's there's different strains of ehd uh, one of the things with ehd is if they survive it they build antibodies and then they can survive mm-hmm. it you know they're forward um and they can pass that on to their offspring gotcha okay. um but the the main difference is the modes of transmission. That's right. So EHD is spread through a biting fly called a midge. Mm-hmm. We call right. them in the south noceums. Yeah. 
So right. no seams will. Culicoides now. Yes, they, they will wear flesh out in bow season. If you're sitting in a tree. It's awful. It can be absolutely brutal. They're the things that bite you and you have no idea how they got through your clothes. But right. they, they get through your clothes and bite you. And they're tiny. They're, they're really tiny. Yeah. But uh, it's just a small biting fly. And that's what transmits the disease to deer. And they don't transmit it to other deer. Once a deer is infected from a fly, it either survives the acute form, develops the chronic form, mm -hmm. or builds antibodies and or is resistant. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's the three responses. Uh, with so basically, I mean, we general population is going to be familiar with that from from COVID. You know. Yeah. Like yeah. You either yeah. That's get right. And succumb from it, or you survive that's it right. and either have long-term effects from it or you mm -hmm. build antibodies and, so. and because right. the way it's transmitted and it's it's worse in dry years and you know the gnats hang around the water you know it's a lot of different variables but we have ehd every single year every in the year. south okay now it may not be this big outbreak mm -hmm. but we we get reports of ehd kills every year all across the southeast um, so if you hear people talk about, we had a big die-off, that's, that's probably, probably <laughs> EHD. Yeah. And generally, if we have a big die-off in the south, it's from a, a, a variant, not a variant, but a, um, one of the strains that we don't have often. Mm -hmm. um, what was the last <clears throat> big one we had? We were both still employed at state. It was I remember 14, 15, 14 or 15. Yeah, it was right before the the bad one in the Midwest. Right. I think it was 11 or 12 when they had a really bad outbreak. They had the a bad one in seven and then maybe 11 and then 14, I think, mm -hmm. through the Midwest. I, I had to go back through my records, but that was when we were still hunting in Pike County, Illinois, mm -hmm. back then. And, uh, it, I mean, it got so bad, we gave up all our properties up there. Mm -hmm. uh, it just was terrible. It's back now. Uh, mm -hmm. It's back as good as it's ever been, but mm -hmm. it's taken this long because they had two or three there that spread out and just didn't have older age class bucks. Yep. Mm -hmm. But uh, but like I said, we have it every year, so we're going to have deer, you know, succumb to it. They're going to be turned in to, to squidus and going to be tested, and you, we'll get reports out. Um, mm -hmm. But when they have an outbreak, what do you say, Middle Tennessee North? Mm -hmm. It hammers the deer. Really? I mean, mm -hmm. it hammers them. So now, like, in this maybe a little too detail oriented, I guess, but I have heard just just kind of hearsay type stuff. These, like you're saying in the Midwest, these bigger deer that have larger antlers and are in velvet are are they more or less likely to be infected? Because like I've, I, I guess what I've heard is. They got all know, the big, blood flow. Yeah, all the blood flow right. in their head up there, and, and that gives these flies and these you know, midges something to, to well, they, snack on. They I mean, typically have to, you know, they have to be, they have to have skin. So, you know, around the eyes, the flesh, mm -hmm. around the nose, the lips. Um, you know, I would imagine that antlers would definitely be something that they could yeah, I don't, feed from. I don't know of, and this is where you, you love those guys that keep their nose in the research. I don't know of any research mm -hmm. that has pointed to older age class, larger bucks or, or antlers mm -hmm. causing them to be more susceptible. I, I, at that point when they have a dry year and they have a outbreak <coughs> in the Midwest, I think it's pretty much across all uh, age yeah, classes. It, okay. It's just yeah. it's indiscriminate bucks, does all of them just wipes them out. Gotcha. So it doesn't really matter. I got you. But yeah, and so uh, that's kind of EHD. Like you said, it's probably more prevalent here in the South than, than CWD much, is. Much more prevalent. And you'll have a lot of folks argue uh, with EHD and CWD that EHD is a bigger impact to the deer herd. Mm. And truly it is. Mm -hmm. But now, long term, will that still be the case? You know, 100 years from now, we don't know the answer to that. Right. CWD's sure. only been around since the 60s that we're, you know, that we're aware we're of. And, you know, we can't control what a biting fly does, but we can control what parts of a deer get moved mm -hmm. around from infected areas into areas that are, un, you know, not mm -hmm. facing the effects of CWD. So, um, you know, I, and I've, I've, 
I've talked to quite a few folks that, you know, when I work for the state agency, why are y'all not doing something about EHD? And I'm like, what do you want us to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what can we do? Mm-hmm. On a landscape level, there's right. not anything. Now, the deer breeders, you know, folks that's got high numbers of deer in enclosures, uh, they they do employ some preventative measures. Mm-hmm. They've got misting systems. Mm-hmm. But you can't uh, do that across the landscape no, in wild it, it's impossible. No. So, um, and, and they're doing that, you know, one, because it's a major investment because they've got a ton of deer that's worth quite a bit of money. Mm-hmm, um, sure. But two, most of those deer are crossed with northern genetics. Right, so they're so highly susceptible. They're very to susceptible. Gotcha. Um, okay. So it's they don't like when we have EHD roll through mm-hmm. when it's bad. Yeah. You know, it, like I said, we have it every year, but if we have a year that's kind of tough. Deer breeders take oh, it on the nose. They man. do. It can be bad. Uh, the year that, I, that I'm trying to remember when <clears> we were still with the state, uh, the first report I had was from a deer breeder up in, uh, I believe they were right outside Coleman area. And uh, the lab called and said, hey, you might want to come check these deer. I'm like, okay, why? Well, we've had 36 deer brought in today. Oh, no. I was like, oh, boy. Mm. So I, you know, went and ended up, you know, knowing the guy. And they they lost, I think, 80% of their deer. See, like, I mean, that, that's taking it on the nose, fellas. Yeah, I mean, like, you guys probably <laughs> don't know this, but my dad, uh, he had an enclosure and he would, he, you know, had a deer farm, raised deer, uh, you know, raised bucks to sell to, you know, trophy enclosures and those sort of things. So he did that for a number of years. And uh, you're talking about trying to make, you know, take preventative measures for that kind of stuff. I don't know that it really helped anything or not. But we put, um, you know, kind of the, the mesh stuff up about eight foot, mm-hmm. you know, six to eight feet from the ground up because supposedly no seams don't, you know, that was the kind of the rumor at that point in time is that the no seams don't like to fly up higher than that. They stay real low elevation. Mm-hmm. And so anything you could do just to create a barrier around, around your them. perimeter, you know what I mean? And again, I don't Those know. Those jokers sure anything. eat me alive 20 feet. Yeah, about <laughs> 20 foot. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know what I mean? I, I, I can kind of see the concern for people who are who do have enclosures you know and i mean you've got a ton of money and uh my dad's operation was not big by any stretch but uh you know he had a lot of money invested in those in those deer and mm-hmm. uh you have something like that roll through and wipe out like you said 80 percent of them i mean that's that's <laughs> grounds for closing up shop if you're not careful so and and that's a that's probably another big difference when we're talking about it being transmissible um ehd you know with it being a fly Mm -hmm. and you get deer you know whether they're confined in a fence or they're confined to a small watering hole or food source you know where they're congregating you know you could get 50 plus percent of those deer end up with ehd you don't tend to see that type of prevalence numbers in CWD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now it's in enclosures; it can be really high because they don't they don't have anywhere to go. But in the wild, even with feed, water, salt licks, things like that, man, ten percent, twenty percent, somewhere between those two is kind of what everybody mm-hmm. uses as a rule of thumb. Now there are populations that they're seeing prevalence rates. Well, it's mule deer in it up into the mid thirties, mm-hmm. um, but that's in the areas that it's it's been the longest. But it has it still even at those rates, it still hasn't caused the population crashes that were feared. Right, you know, gotcha. that was the big fear. The and my my concern with management from from state agencies because they all do it different. You know, nobody nobody's done one single thing that uh, seemed to have have helped, helped. much. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, CWD isn't going to be the end of whitetail deer. It's not going to be the end of whitetail hunting. But if hunters don't change their mindset and managers don't change their mindset and change how they manage those herds, then the additive mortality that we're placing on them can drive the population down as hunters Mm -hmm. we can drive the population down as additive mortality 
without any of the other factors. Mm-hmm. Right. If we if we're not doing things right, so that's long term. That's my concern. Gotcha. And so, like I know we've kind of said that the spread, you know, EHDs from a fly, you know, from the the midge kind yep. of thing, but. With CWD, do we know how it's spread? Is it just kind of popping up and we don't really have an answer for that? Or is <laughs> there are there the, there is a completely random yes type a of spontaneous CWD, spontaneous yep. CWD. And there there's been a couple of well known biologists that that's kind of what they kind of hang their hat on is we don't we don't know we can't we can't do anything because there's these spontaneous mm-hmm. pop ups. And look, that is concerning, mm-hmm. um, but we don't see it near as much as we see the 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 transmitted version of, of CWD. And I hate to say version, but yeah. you know the deer to deer contact right. spread. It, right, it can be highly infectious. Yeah, and as as far as how is it, how it is transmitted, it can persist in the soil and vegetation. Yeah, um, it's been transmitted through, or it's found in semen. Uh, other bodily fluids Mm -hmm. so you know there's different ways that it can be transmitted but like jeremy was stating earlier we really don't know all the ways Mm -hmm. that it can be transmitted from one deer to another Mm -hmm. i know there are (coughs) there are places that have been completely depopulated of cwd positive deer and the top layers of the soil have been removed and replaced sterilized even. sterilized and brought new deer in they that had not been exposed to cwd and within a few months years they're yep. starting to show positives wow. so yep. and, and there's you know, i don't know how much is released to the public on, on on some of the new spots that that pop up i would expect the the deal down in texas is public knowledge i think it is mm-hmm. But I mean, Southeast Mississippi is a new one. Yeah, but I mean, they're popping up nowhere near, you know, anywhere else. Right. And there's not, there's not a good explanation. Uh, in Texas, there's been a positive inside a biosecure facility. Mm-hmm. I mean, one wow. that is tightly controlled. Yeah. And hey, all of a sudden here's CWD in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they got no clue how. And see, my question is, can the spontaneous CWD can it be transmitted in the same way mm-hmm. that at the same rates the, at the same rates that the other, or is it just spontaneous to that individual? Mm-hmm. And I, I think some of the, those are some of the questions that we don't have answers right. for. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think it's also important that people understand EHD is a virus. Mm-hmm. Chronic wasting disease is a protein that is misshapen. And that's why it's found in the brain, I guess. When it's, uh, yeah. it is a it is a it is a protein in the body and that it, can persist outside the body yeah. for a number of years, and it it's just it's a mutated protein, and it and it replicates that way, right? Mm-hmm. So it over time it just degrades. it affects other proteins. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah, that's uh, getting off into <clears throat> some into some sure enough sketchy stuff. There. The Southern U Podcast is brought to you by First South Farm Credit. If you are looking to purchase land, it's highly likely that financing will be needed. The team at First South Farm Credit understands the ins and outs of the land buying process and can help you get the financing needed to secure your purchase. Whether you are looking for that dream cattle farm or that big piece of timber to chase deer and turkey on, First South Farm Credit can get it done. For more information, visit firstsouthfarmcredit.com. That's first, F-I-R-S-T, south, S-O-U-T-H, farm, F-A-R-M, credit, C-R-E-D-I-T dot com. There, yeah, <laughs> well, and that, that, that's, the, that's for the folks smarter than we are. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the big concern initially, there was two big ones. When, when all this really ramped up in the south when we started seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, one, all the deer are going to die. <laughs> Two, people are going to get it. And that's still my biggest concern. And, and see, we that's a, that's an answer we don't know. Um, oh, so you're saying like humans. Yes. Yes. Well, yes. yes. So yes. if you look at all TSEs, I mean, there's TSEs in several species. There's TSEs in humans. Mm-hmm. Um, TJD. Yeah. And I'll try to say it. Crutzfeld Jacobs disease, maybe. Crutzfeld Jacob. Yeah, I've heard it pronounced several different ways. Yep. 
but it is a it's a TSE, and if you'll remember back when we had the the mad cow disease mm-hmm. um, fiasco several years ago, at first everybody was saying, you know, people can't get it, people can't get it, the meat's safe to eat. And they said they repeated that for years until several hundred people in Europe had it, had it, <laughs> and they got it. Where'd they get it? They got it from cattle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here on this podcast and publicly state that I think people can get chronic wasting disease. Or but not there's yet. enough doubt, right? There's enough doubt in my mind that I'm going to test my deer. Yep. And I'm not going to feed a deer to my family that tests positive. That's just me. Right. That's my opinion. Because I'm I'm not going to risk that with my family. Sure. And I I talked to um, a, a couple of folks. I was, I guess, fortunate enough to get to listen in on the uh, the Texas, uh, whatever they symposium on CWD that they had. Um, by the way, there's people out there that can do anything. <laughs> it, it's unbelievable how smart people are um but but anyway he's not one of them i love how he looked at at me how he looked at least he, he recognizes that. it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he looked at I me can, like i just want you to know these yeah. people smart they, they, they some smart they some smart some smart folks out there but but one of the keynote speakers you know he uh is actually she was asked a question about eating you know meat mm-hmm. and she said am i scared to eat the meat and she and she answered it and kind of quantified it yes and no. She said, "I had much rather eat infected meat that we knew was just a glowing red, wildly infected animal one time, as to eat some over the course over of my time. life." Yeah, and she, not know. Yep, yeah, she and not know because she, she, she was referring back to the the prion loading in your body because mm-hmm. once it's there you don't really get rid of this stuff right um just the slow build up and loading into your body yeah. uh she said that scared her more for humans mm-hmm. than than eating it once or twice in your life and it being just a wildly infected animal yeah it's like what's well, you know a carcinogenic type stuff yeah. i mean that's the same just deal is that your body can't break this down and it just mm-hmm. kind of gets stored and you know and continues to build and continues yeah. to build until one day it causes a problem and that you know you know that kind of formed how i i think about it i'm not going to knowingly eat one right that, that tests positive uh i'm not going to overly worry if i go eat a deer or elk or something that i don't know if it was tested or not out west but i'm not going to do that every day yeah sure you know, i'm gonna be mm-hmm. if i was out there and living out there and eating it all the time i'd be like okay i kind of want to know if this has been tested or not ignorance is bliss uh, yes <laughs> yeah um sure so well like that kind of that kind of brings us to this next question here it's a good uh segue what do landowners or long-term leaseholders like what do these people need to know like about in, in your opinions what what do people need to be concerned with and what stuff is just fear mongering and kind of needs to, you know what I'm well, saying? N- neither is doom and gloom. Nope. Um, the sky's not falling. No. So, you know, in the South, if you're a landowner, land manager, you will occasionally have outbreaks of EHD. Just, nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do about that. You know, you may lose between 5 and 15, 20%. I, I haven't seen an Alabama deer herd lose more than 15 to 20% in my lifetime. Not native Alabama deer. No, yeah, not native. Not native Alabama the, the deer. Re- the, the deer restocked from, from other areas or deer genetically. You right. Know, Different story. Di- yeah, they, they, they will lose mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Um, and I've often suspected that one reason the bankhead population hasn't been able to grow mm-hmm. exponentially like other southern populations has a lot to do with their lack of resistance to southern strains of EHD. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I have nothing to prove that. Oh no, I, I'm it's just, just anecdotal it's just, data. Right, it's just a possibility. Yeah, and I I would really like to see somebody look into mm-hmm. the antibodies in that deer herd. I mean, because mm-hmm. we know they're genetically different. I mean, that's that's been done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would I would be very curious if there was uh, if they could pinpoint those antibodies and determine whether or not that herd is growing uh, to where it's. You know, they're not going to be immune, but mm-hmm. more resistant sure. to right. it. 
so with EHD in the South, if you do experience a an outbreak that you feel like is substantial, one report it mm-hmm. to your state agency because they can um, they can come pull samples, send those samples to Squidus, and they can at least isolate the serotype and yep. figure out what strain it was. And, and that that's important to know. Well, right. th- that's that's great for us to be able to track, and a lot of folks won't turn them in. That's what I was going to ask. Is right. like, are people afraid to do that? To go, oh, oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. Man, not we calling the government about anything. Yeah, right. they don't. Sure. Yeah, you know, r- the famous Ronald Reagan line. I'm from the government. <laughs> I'm here to help. <laughs> no, not not in Alabama. Um, but I have always encouraged folks to if you if you see something abnormal with wildlife, mm-hmm. look, we have a vested interest. And I say we, I'm no longer with the state, but the state has a vested interest in trying to maintain healthy populations. Mm-hmm. We may not, they may not be perfect at it, but they're not trying to turn a blind eye and they're not trying to hide anything. They got nothing to gain from mm-hmm. it. Um, but we do have everything in the world to gain from more knowledge of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And as far as, you know, could it affect your deer harvest in a, a year or two? Yeah. Absolutely. Good. You may need to back off a of deer harvest if you you know if you have a, a high loss. Um, but thankfully, most areas in the south, those populations are going to recover pretty quickly. Yeah, that's yeah. just because of the sheer number of deer we right. have. That's right. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And so now that's with EHD. What's I mean? What do people need to know about CWD? I mean, is that do people <laughs> that, you know? It, I that's guess totally I guess, different. It, yeah. I know, and that's, that's and that's what I'm but, saying is like there is a whole lot of really scary really like like you said doom and gloom scenario like even stuff written out there yep. you know by by otherwise credible publications to make people go oh my gosh what you know what i mean if if even if one popped up here i ain't telling nobody about it yeah because i don't want people coming in here and killing every deer well and that's you know the thing I mean? there's a lot of misinformation out there yep. about what the state would do and how their response would be and if you'll look up in northwest alabama right now in lauderdale county mm-hmm. They're not going in shooting all the deer. Mm-hmm. They're encouraging people to bring more samples. We, we say so in a, in a particular area. If it is detected, the next step is to figure out what the prevalence rate is. Okay, great. We found one sample. Mm-hmm. Is it in three percent of the population? Is it in ten percent of the population? Well, we don't know until we sample. Mm-hmm. So they try to encourage people. Hey, voluntarily bring your deer in so that we can sample more deer instead of them coming in and killing your deer. Right. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. And even if they do go in and kill deer. It's they're not going to do it in on high numbers. It's not going to be in high numbers, and they're not going to do it on areas that they don't have permission to be. Okay, mm-hmm. so it, like if I'm a landowner and I say, "Hey, I've got 600 acres over here. Y'all can come kill eight or ten does off my place and test them." Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to do that without permission. Yeah, Alabama okay. is heavy to the property rights side of things. And Amen. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the only instance that you're going to see a a fight over getting on a place and killing deer. Is if it's found in an enclosure, mm-hmm. they're going to want to know. That's going to be. A they're going to want to know why it's there, um, where you, where you got your deer. Yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna backtrace your deer. They're going to be in every orifice of your body, <laughs> but they should be. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's plenty of great deer breeders out there, high fences out there that follow the letter of the law, mm-hmm. and there's plenty that's not. Right. I mean, we we were <laughs> a party to a couple that weren't um back in the day and that's a lot of work Mm -hmm. um but you know folks that bring in deer illegally hurt everybody yeah sure Um, well i mean like i i just go back to thinking about dad you know i mean dad did everything he could possibly do you know to make sure mm -hmm. that everything was by the book and if something like that had happened to him i mean he's not a an operation where he's got you know, a separate pen for breeders and a set, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, uh, everything that he owns is, you know, essentially right there. in his 15 acres of land that he's got. So, mm-hmm. you know, you could come through there and, and wipe everything he has out. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If, if something mm-hmm. pops up and, and then what? Is there any kind of like reimbursement for that? Probably not, <laughs> you know? Well, th- there's been some court cases in other states that, that landowners have been reimbursed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not, I don't think that's common in every state. Uh, that's going to depend on how your judge views property rights and the ownership of wildlife. Right. Here in Alabama, the public owns wildlife. Yep. Deer can't be all wildlife, yeah. even if it's in an enclosure. Yeah. Deer deer can't be owned by a individual. Um, as far as a you know a 
wild whitetail. Um, sorry, getting all kind of text on my computer. Um, but that, that's going to come. Mm-hmm. Look, there's high fences. There's breeders up in the northwest corner part of the state. Mm-hmm. CWDs in the northwest corner. It's coming. Yep. And it, it's going to be a battle, and it'll play out on the news and in all the publications, and it'll be <laughs> ugly, and the state will be the bad guy. Um, I mean, that's just the way it's going to happen. There, there's no other way for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but being involved in the writing of the plan, Alabama's is pretty good. I think they they have a pretty solid response. They do. Um, now, there there's, you know, there's – teams that will be used to shoot deer but like matt said it's going to be on a permission basis mm-hmm. um if hunters would work with and this, this is tough because mm-hmm. the state does does some really outlandish things from time to time um but if the the landowners where all this is taking place will work with the state and not be so defensive that the state's going to do something wrong, mm-hmm. it'll be a much smoother process. And it's really not that big of a deal. There was a lot of misconceptions because there were some people that that when you explain to them, <clears throat> this is where they got all caught up. Um, if you say, well, you know, we're going to, we're going to do what it takes to be 95% sure that if it's prevalent in whatever percentage of the population that we detected. Mm-hmm. When you say 95%, all they ran with was they're going to kill 95% of the deer. Yeah. Right. And that's not even what was said. That's not what's written in the plan. Mm-hmm. It's not what was said by any employee. They heard 95%. And a, and a radius. You know, and, and right. A radius. Within yeah. a given radius, right. if, it's ten, if, if the prevalence rate is, say, 10%, we need to kill X amount of deer mm-hmm. to be 95% sure that we detected it. Mm-hmm. When they hear 95%, oh, my gosh, they're, they're killing 95% of our deer. No, that's not what anybody mm-hmm. said. Nobody said that. Not to mention, not possible. It's not possible. Yeah. You can't do <laughs> not, that. Not in a radius like that. No, not there's possible. no way to do that. Yeah. The Southern U Podcast is brought to you by Tether. For the last five years and counting, Tethered has pushed the boundaries of what mobile hunting looks like. Thanks to Tethered, gone are the days of having to haul heavy gear into the woods in order to hunt from elevation. Their lineup of tree saddles are lighter and safer than other methods. And saddles are not the only thing that Tethered has made better. Their complete lineup of sticks, packs, and other accessories have streamlined the process of getting to your desired hunting area and doing more of what we all love to do. So if you're ready to ditch the bulky, heavy, and loud hunting methods of the past, check out Tethered's complete list of products and gear at tetherednation.com. That's T-E-T-H-R-D-N-A-T-I-O-N.com. And look, the research has shown depop in places is not super effective. Mm-mm. It spreads... Slower, slower in lower populated areas, mm-hmm. but it you're not going to stop mm-hmm. it by depopulating a deer herd. Mm-hmm. And like, does that does that have any influence in, um, like baiting laws and absolutely. things like yeah, that? You know what I mean? Because I, I mean, I I'm sure it, it, you guys have probably seen the where. Uh, Uncle Ted has been oh, yeah. going to war with uh, you know Michigan and stuff over this type stuff. In so. the target zones or whatever you know Alabama calls it or any state calls it, they Hot are going. Spots. Yeah, they're going to do away with baiting. Okay, they're they're, they're going to stop it, um, and and rightfully so. Honestly, I wish we'd quit baiting. Period. I know it. Um, I hate it, but now it's a necessary evil. You feel like if you don't do it, your neighbor is and. My gripe is that you have to pay to it, pay yeah, for, to have. I mean, it's, it's yeah, ridiculous to have a law on the books that states this is, it is unlawful in the state of Alabama to use bait. Now you're just getting. Unless you give me fifteen. Now, now I'm just, sorry. I'm now going you're just there. pointing the finger. I'm going there. <laughs> I'm going there. It's illegal to bait in the state of Alabama. But wait a second. If you pay us fifteen bucks, then it'll be okay. No, yeah. uh, uh-uh, it's not okay. And I'm still waiting on somebody to carry that to court. That's, that's the first instance. Uh, 
that that I found where Alabama wildlife regulation and law became about money. Is there any other state in the United States that makes you buy a baiting privilege? Oh, it's ridiculous. I don't have any idea. I don't I'm not aware of one. There may very well be, but No, it's either you can or you can't. Yeah. Uh, right. And I, I, and that's the way I think it should be. E- either do away with it and go back to the, what the law states or change the law, but don't Agreed. make residents pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess is it like a I don't want to get off too much in the weeds, but I mean, is that just an economic thing? Like, hey, we could no question. No, it, spend it, it, a spend a bunch it, of time no, writing tickets, it or was we about could just you know. bringing in more revenue. Sure. Because look, the way that the <clears throat> the more licenses they sell, the more revenue they get from the Pittman Robertson Act. So it was just it was just about generating more income. Yeah, like, do we want to spend more resources on sending wardens out to write tickets, or do we want to just charge people fifteen bucks a pop and? Let that be the end of it. Right, know? and see, and it's so ridiculous because you can still get a ticket for hunting over bait if it's if it's not farther than 100 yards and out of your line of sight. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, it, it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Um, no doubt. Um, sorry. No, you're good. No, and that's like, I guess, and this is kind of the last thing we can kind of wrap up with um, here, the last question I've got, unless you want to add something to it. But given what we know now, which may or may not be very much, you know. Uh, but given what we know now, what are the what are your projections for like long term effects for deer herds if this is left unchecked, left unmanaged? CWD, both CWD, EHD. I mean, I, which I mean, I know, I know EHD. There's not much you can do. Yeah, I'm not saying. worried about EHD. Yeah. No, not worried but, about and, it. And <laughs> this may sound stupid. In my lifetime, I don't think CWD is going to be a problem. In my lifetime. Mm-mm. Uh, I think it's going to be a generation or two down the line that if we don't manage properly for the additive mortality rates, that we could see a problem. Right, I believe. But that. there's so much just changing. I mean, yes, it, by the minute. Hey, you know, Jesus may come back tomorrow. And I hope he does because this place is a wreck. Yeah, <laughs> um, come on. But <laughs> the the state of game management in the next 50 years i mean who who knows the north i fully expect the north american model to be gone by then mm-hmm. and at, at that point in time it's going to be controlled by a handful of people likely the government and it doesn't really matter yeah and i don't know if people know this so i'm just going to go ahead and tell y'all how the north american model works because i think it's important for voting age people to understand this Wildlife is held in a public trust. Well, what is a trust? You have the trustees who are given authority to manage a resource, and you have the beneficiaries who receive the benefit of the resource. We are all the beneficiaries. So we get to partake in wildlife, um, harvest wildlife, but we have to do it within the bounds that the trustees establish. Mm -hmm. So because we all own the wildlife, we should all have a a vested interest in assisting that government agency with their data collection. That's why I get so upset when people tell me, you know, I'm not game checking my deer. The government, well, don't be upset when the government makes a stupid decision because you're not giving them data. Right. It's just that simple. Help them get the data they need to make the right decisions because if I'm working with a landowner with, you know, deer harvest recommendations, if they're not giving me all the information I need, I'm going to make, very poorly executed decisions on how to mm-hmm. manage their resource. Sure. Well, it's the same thing with the state. Imagine having to do that over however many square miles the state of Alabama yeah. is. Which, I mean, and I, first off, totally agree with what you're saying. I think the, not a pushback, but I think the reasoning and people saying some of that stuff is, for me to say, like, hey, I want you to come out to my property and I want you to tell me what I should do to enhance my habitat or, you know, whatever. Well, like, that's a personal like I know you, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I can, I can trust you. I don't know that people are trusting the government too much. Right. You know what I mean? No, I don't know that right. people and are, and that's kind of like, no, and I get it. That, you know that what I mean? is the problem Yeah, is the government has gone so far past its intent mm-hmm. um, that the good things that they do are lost. Mm-hmm. That's, that's exactly why he and I are sitting right here today and not still sitting at a desk or in a green truck for the state of Alabama is, 
we were not trusted to do what we were employed to do, mm -hmm. primarily by the public because of who we worked for. Mm -hmm. We come out and work for ourselves and get paid way more than we got paid at the state. We're still the same person. We're still giving the same information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're just not associated with state government. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Yeah. They they had <laughs> guilty by association. I mean, yes. You know what I mean. And it's... they look. I'm not blowing our horn, but we are good at what we do. Some some of them are not. Mm -hmm. um, well, the thing about the difference between me and Jeremy, we take what we do seriously, and like my name and reputation is important to me. Sure. Absolutely. So I don't want to give people crappy information. Mm -hmm. There are employees, and it's not just in the state government. There's employees everywhere, everywhere that don't give a flip. They're drawing a paycheck, and they're doing the bare minimum to get by, and you will get that in some state employees yes. as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. And there's a big difference. And I think that when someone has a negative experience with an employee like that, then they look at every state employee that way. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and I'm just going to try to throw a bone to state agencies Part of it is there just really aren't good up-and-coming biologists mm -hmm. anymore that nope. are hunters, land managers, things of that nature. There's not. Everybody that, that goes into our type business, our industry, are worried about the snail darters and the butterflies and the bats. <laughs> Look, that's very important. I, I love them too. I, I, I go do a lot of different things that's got to do with, with T&E species. With, with what we do but there's a complete void now mm -hmm. of people that understand how to manage habitat right how to hey get on a tractor and drive a tractor yeah, yeah the, the the graduates coming out of four-year degree programs right now cannot go to a landowner mm. and relate to that landowner who has spent you know a lot of his millions. resources and time perhaps millions of dollars acquiring property and now he's like well, what can i do with it what do i need to do with it a lot of the landowners know more about what they want to do than the graduates mm -hmm. because they're they're not experienced and a lot of them don't even grow up hunting yeah. which blows my mind i don't know why you would want to go into a wildlife field and be a wildlife biologist for a state agency and you don't hunt right yeah. I don't see how you can do that and be effective at yeah, it. There's got to be some form of relatability. Exactly. You know, like exactly. Got to meet them, some, meet them where they are to some degree. What are you doing? I'm I'm being funny. <laughs> I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm texting. I don't like this. I, no no no. That was a picture of me. I'm texting. That was a, a selfie. I, yes, it was. You a took selfie. a selfie while, while filming podcasting. a podcast. That was Howard. What an idiot. That was Howard <laughs> with the management advantage, and we're we're talking about something that's going on on Facebook, and he kind of made a comment that. Uh, I bet that guy got on an Orvis <laughs> vest. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> so, uh the Southern U Podcast is brought to you by Vitalized Seed. What sets Vitalized Seed Mixes apart from other companies is their ability to keep producing throughout multiple periods of the year. The symbiotic relationships between the different varieties support soil health while being extremely attractive to a variety of wildlife and important pollinators. If you're looking for a product that is going to benefit all of your wildlife and help you put deer and turkey in the freezer, ask your local seed dealer for Vitalize Seed. And for more information, visit VitalizeSeed.com. That's V-I-T-A-L-I-Z-E-S-E-E-D.com. I took a picture and yeah. sent it to him. Oh, uh, he'll like that. That's um, good. But yeah, the the industry, the future of the of our industry is. I hate to use the word in peril, but it really is. It, it is because there there are not people that are interested in game management, the North American model, especially. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's just becoming. A pastime. I and mean, that, you, and that scares the devil out of if, me for future generations. Yeah, if you look at some of the administrators, and I don't, I'm, I'm, in all state level governments, and particularly the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, mm -hmm. and the National and the Park Service, Service and the Forest Service, all these entities who have lots of acreage, mm -hmm. millions upon millions of acres, 
the administrators are right. not managing it for the benefit of hunters, and mm-hmm. that's what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. That's what they should be doing. Yeah. And they're not hunters. No, no. and the hunters pay the bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They pay the bill. That's why you buy a hunting license. Yep. That's right. why you're taxed on firearms and ammunition and tree stands and camo. That is an excise tax to the Pittman-Robertson Act that goes right back into conservation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, when if any – I, I bet 85% of hunters, maybe 90%, have no idea no, they don't what, know. what the PR funds no. are, how, how the North American model works. I wish I could think of the guy's name. Who's the guy that does the video mm. on the North American model? I can't think of his name, but it's an unbelievable video. I don't know. We, Look, I'll find it, and yeah. we're going to post it. Yeah, we'll get it in the in the link to because description of this uh, video need, or something like that. People need to people need to know. Gotcha. Um, but but CWD circling back to that, I don't know that there's. Look, I, like I said, I'm not worried about it in my lifetime. It's going to change how we manage deer and how we hunt some. Mm-hmm. But that's about all it's going to do. Right. My my biggest concern is the potential for human health implications. Yeah. And other than that, I think we can adjust statewide regulations and hunter harvest for whatever changes may be coming. Mm. I, I'm not worried about that aspect. Gotcha. I'm more I'm I'm more concerned. I'm not worried about any of it. I'm just more concerned that you know when when are they going to make that first link between an infected deer and an infection in humans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it's, we, we kind of sailed over the fact that it, it has been documented that it can pass into other primates, mm-hmm. but, um, under controlled, controlled conditions. Yes. And fed, fed directly to them, you know, and you know, they is glowing red animal. We're going to feed that glowing red protein to this, to me, it, it looks like the research project kind of said we're going to feed it to them until they got it. Yeah. So that we can see that they got it. It's it's kind of how it looked, but hey, they got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's not promising, right? No. No, it's not. Um, well, <laughs> I guess if there's nothing else, we can uh, all go cry ourselves to sleep now. <laughs> whatever. But <laughs> eat some more cheddar popcorn. Yeah, eat some more yep, cheddar popcorn. Absolutely. So. Um, hey, did I win, by the way? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I drank water, but yeah, yeah I guess you did. Yeah. I need. I still need I tissue. I mean, I'm, I'm not sweating anymore. I feel like I will. We'll, um, <laughs> I looked over there, and the, the pores <laughs> in his nose <laughs> were just beat, beat beating up. up with sweat. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, golly. Yep, that's hey, right. Next show, I got a fresh gallon of milk. You ready? Oh, oh heck yeah. If I I can down what's left in there if I had a little half Mm-mm. Half a cup of milk. What? Oh, oh no, 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 no. I'm not doing that. Not doing that. I'm not doing okay. that. I got to drive all the way back home. Okay. Halfway across the state. For another no. show, then. Yeah. That's right. It may not be for another show. I don't know that I'm up for that. That's yeah, rough. I've man. done it once. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening in, and we appreciate all the support. Um, stay tuned for the next episode because we're going to announce something that we are doing through Instagram. Uh, with another one of our partners, uh, one of our sponsors is going to be helping us out doing something uh, pretty special. And I think you guys would be very interested in mm-hmm. hearing a little bit more about what that is. So absolutely, stay tuned. Um, like I said, we certainly appreciate it. And um, if you haven't already, check us out on YouTube. Uh, Matt has been killing stuff left and right, and we're trying to – The rest uh, of us are it, working. The rest of us are working. That's well, why no, I can't. Let me just so, tell the truth. So <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no you, you wait a minute. I start getting all these texts about, you know, when are we going to film? When are we going to film? And I'm like, I don't know what y'all are doing. I'm filming. I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting video content right now. Yeah. I don't know what y'all are doing, but <sighs> trying to. I'm killing. Crap. We can't hunt off of our porch. That's true. I didn't video that hunt, <laughs> and that, that wasn't a hunt to begin with. <laughs> well, my my hunting, my last hunting trip. I know we're we're closing out here, but my last hunting trip, I took a week. I'm like, I'm gonna hunt for a week. I told my wife, hey. I, I, I've got the time. I'm going to go hunt for Christmas. Okay, cool. I hunted twice. And then that joker drags me off doing 
site prep burns. We had to get work days. done. But here's the deal. I, really, I wouldn't have killed I, anything. I honestly did. felt bad about asking him to come help me do that. But one, we had to get it done. And two, his target deer Gone. were not on camera the entire week. So it wouldn't have mattered either way. Nah. Um, he's still not there. Yeah, I don't know what we're, happened to we're, him. We're bumping nearly three weeks now. So he's, he's, he's gone. dead. He's he may dead. be dead this he, time. He's gone. I'm sorry, Jeremy. We got a couple more that Wavy? showed up. Wavy's gone. Well, well, MIA. Likely. Yeah. yeah. MIA. He's been MIA before. He has been MIA, but generally this time of year, he he's cruising through every 48 hours. Okay. Um, and done that for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're 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 getting right. We've we've had a, over the last five to seven days, it's uh, shifting. There's a lot of cruising and pushing around taking place. Oh, I bet I bet in the last two weeks, I've had a dozen different bucks, mm-hmm. new, new bucks that new I've never bucks. seen before, really uh, show up. Now they're they're not there long. Yeah, y- you know <clears throat> if if you happen to be there, you know you get lucky. A lot of them are at night, but um, we'll see. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go spend some time next week in the woods. And I have I've got some really good footage over the last week. Yeah, I, was I mean say, just awesome. Well, that's what I was getting at is they're burying me in videos to edit, so I gotta try to play catch up. Uh, if you guys saw, if you haven't seen it already, go check out. Uh, I think Matt's got a doe kill up on the YouTube channel, and uh, has also got the 138 inch buck, which is a phenomenal accomplishment for. Uh, anywhere, but certainly for Alabama. So uh, that one's pretty sweet one too. I'm gonna so. go shoot a spike with an AR-15 and make the world blow up. That's right. Do that. <laughs> Do that. Use a 30 round magazine too. Yeah. <laughs> Post it on the View <laughs> channel. Mm-hmm. Show how it just destroys the deer. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks so much. We'll see you uh, for episode number eight. Thanks. <laughs>